Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. Lord, as we've sang and we've lifted our hearts to you, Lord, we know that your spirit is moving through this place right now. And we're grateful that you meet us wherever we are, right where we are. And Lord, that we can come to you in prayer at any time. Jesus, I pray that as we uh, open your word now, I pray that you would show us what we need to hear from you. God, I pray you would challenge us now as we look at, uh, as we look at a topic that we don't look at very often, but, but it's something that we, should, that we should lean into as followers of you. And so God, I pray, I pray that you would move, continue to move in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're new with us, uh, I want to say welcome. I'm Jay. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you watching online, I want to say welcome. And we are on week two, uh, or maybe day eight, of 21 days uh, of uh, reading, prayer, and fasting. As this 21-day journey that we've started together as a church uh, is into the second week. And as uh, we're looking at this, we're focusing on um, the spiritual disciplines uh, of prayer, reading the word and fasting and uh and we're doing that together as a church and spiritual disciplines as we defined last week are ways of living that imitate the way that jesus lived ways of living that imitate the way jesus lived and so these things reading the word prayer fasting these are things that jesus did along with a whole other array of spiritual disciplines but these are things uh that really all of uh the other spiritual disciplines and in many ways branch off of uh, from here, really from, from the main ones of, of reading the word and prayer. And these things draw us closer to God. They draw us closer to God and, and they're really the main fundamental practices of followers of Jesus. Similar to how if you're a basketball player, the main fundamentals of shooting free throws, it's not something that you should uh, ever stop doing or practicing. Um, and so the fundamentals are things that we should always be, uh, be looking at and continuing to do. And when it comes to time spent in undivided attention to the Lord, it reminds us that God is God. It reminds us of all of the things that we just sang about and, and worshiped through. It reminds us that Jesus alone can save and that his Holy Spirit is the one that brings us life. And it's a perfect way to begin the new year together as a church family is really to, to lean into the spiritual disciplines. But that's the key word there is together. And so today we're going to talk about a, a, a topic within this of fasting that's not exactly, I'm sure everybody's like, oh, awesome, that's our topic today, right? It's not one of those that you're like, hey, pastor's preaching on this. Um, I get it. At the same time, I think this is something that we need to address and that we need to talk about and, and actually participate in as followers of Jesus a little more often. Uh, fasting, as I'm, if you don't know, uh, abstaining from food is how we can look at fasting. However, I would add or self-denial. And I would also say this, that as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, a really good way to define Christianity is self-denial. This is a big part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, is self-denial. And so the spiritual discipline of fasting um, it's, it's an old one. It's an, it's an ancient one that transcends time and religions and all of that. There's a lot of religions that, that do this. Um, 
But abstaining from food for, for a certain period of time, it's a spiritual practice that, uh, that, that goes back a ways. Um, and it's a thing that you see all throughout the Old Testament. You see it a lot there. It's sprinkled all throughout there. But it's kind of evolved over time uh, into the New Testament as a thing that's done as a spiritual practice. It, it trains us in dependence on God. It trains us on dependence on God. And when we are properly centered on God, Fasting is one of those things that kind of clears the decks. Prayer plus fasting reveals the things that control us. This is one of the first things I want you to hear and understand about fasting when you add it to prayer, that it reveals the things that control us. And so you're like, okay, Jay, so you're saying I'm controlled by food. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe. Um, Aren't we all a little bit? Um, at the same time, prayer plus fasting, it's going to reveal things in your life that nothing else can. It's going to reveal things in your life that nothing else can. The hunger pain that drives us, it, it drives other things in our life forward. When we are giving that time to God, it reveals things that maybe need addressed that we don't see any other way. We need food and water to live. I think we all know that. And they're basic necessities of human life. But the Spirit of God is more necessary. The Spirit of God is more necessary in our life. And the, and the desire for that is more integral to our life than I think we would really be willing to admit. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 4. And um, we're going to see how the revelation of things that control us, how that applies to our life, and the spiritual benefits of fasting for anyone who wants to be transformed more and more into the image of God, which should be all of us as followers of Jesus. And so we're gonna look at this uh, account in, in Matthew chapter four of, of the temptation of Christ. And I, I wanna like kind of point this out as we get going, that in the gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one of the very first things we see in Jesus' ministry in all three of those uh, gospels is Jesus fasting. We see this account of the temptation narrative and it's the spirit that leads Jesus into the wilderness, launches him there where his strongest defense uh, is is actually uh, wrapped up in his weakness, which is an interesting statement that I think you'll see kind of uh, lived out here. So beginning in verse one, and I'm gonna read all 11 verses of this whole thing. Um, And and then we're gonna kind of go back and, and look at a few things. It says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yeah. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. 
Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. So after fasting for 40 days and nights, Jesus goes through this. And let me just back up and say, to fast, complete fast for 40 days and nights is physically impossible without water. Um, he probably wasn't with water because he was out in the wilderness and he's 100% God, but also 100% man. But anyway, let's just say, for the sake of argument, let's just say that he had water, all right? Just to kind of put some things in perspective here for a minute. Medically speaking, from what I read at least, um, anywhere between 43, 45 days and 70 days is when you begin starving to death. Um, and dying of starvation happens then. But after 40 days, if you have water, the hunger pains starting to return to Jesus, as he says, he was hungry, like it says that there. That means he was beginning to starve to death. He was beginning to starve to death. So 100% God, yes, 100% man, and so he can do it because he's God, but he chose to attack this and, and fight Satan from the, from the perspective of a, a person, of a man. And Satan uses only three plays. If you want to use a football analogy here, Satan's only got three plays that he can run on any of us at any time, and they can be narrowed down to this. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's in 1 John 2.16. But really, you see Satan run all three plays right here on Jesus, and none of them work. And his first response to the temptation from Satan, to those basic needs of food and water, is what? He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So in his dependence on God the Father for his physical strength, Jesus is defying the intentions of the enemy here that are calling him away from his mission because that's what Satan was really trying to do, to call Jesus away from his mission. Because if he was, would have given in to this, it would have called him away from his mission. And he draws strength from the word of God and we can actually see his responses, Jesus' responses become more and more intense as it goes. He just gets more and more fed up with this to the point where at the end, he's just like, get behind me, Satan, get out of here. And he just kicks him to the curb, right? And casts Satan away. He says, that's enough. And he commands him to leave. And here's a thing that I want you to notice about all this. And we could dig in really a lot to the temptation of Christ here. But there's a few things in regards to fasting that, that I want us to look at for applying to us today. And here's, here's one of the big ones is that prayer plus fasting and the word of God were the weapons of Jesus. I want you to think about that in this, in this time, right? He's alone in the wilderness, hasn't eaten for 40 days. And what does he choose to fight back with? Prayer plus fasting and the word of God. All three things that we're looking at right here, he uses as weapons. He uses scripture to battle Satan's temptation. He doesn't use some elaborate, um, you know, miraculous godlike power that is inaccessible to you or me. And that's a point that I think is a very important one for us to look at really quick here because he drew on no special resources that are unavailable to us when it was Jesus versus Satan 
What Jesus used to battle was nothing different than what you and I have to battle with. He didn't use anything over and above what you are able to fight against the temptations of the enemy with. Today, a lot of Christians consider fasting a little more broadly than dietary restrictions. Um, We might fast from food or a particular food for a certain period of time, but we may also fast from any activity particular activities maybe that, that, uh, that are, are, you know, we're addicted to or dependent on. I've, 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 we've seen fast from, from social media, fast from video games, fast from your phone as a whole. Um, and all of those things I would actually highly recommend if they're things that have, have you maybe um, addicted or dependent on. But to fast from anything like that, um, it brings our attention, and here's, here's the point, It's not just because I'm dependent on those things, but it's actually because I'm dependent on those things and not dependent on God. And so it brings that focus back to the Lord where it should be in a more intense and intentional way. It brings our attention back to God and his desires for the way in which we live our life. And so anytime we fast from something that we become dependent on, we are practicing what is slowly becoming a lost art of saying no We're practicing the art of saying no in order that we can more faithfully say yes to God. So why pray and fast? Let's let's answer this question here for a minute. Well, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, it's an obedience issue. It's an obedience issue. Straight up, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you fast, those are the words that he says, when you fast. He is assuming that as followers of him, we will be participating in fasting, right? He's not saying whenever you get around to it. He doesn't say if you fast. Granted, there are some cultural things involved in that statement, absolutely, because it was a part of the culture of Jews to Fast as a part of their culture, but at the same time, he's speaking much more broadly when he's saying these things. He says, when you fast. Secondly, let's call it a determination of prayer. A determination of prayer where things maybe are so intense, the spiritual warfare is so demanding that you will temporarily set aside even the most basic physical needs to give yourself more completely to prayer and more completely to seeking the will of God because you want to hear that. You're dependent on hearing that more than anything else. And so the discipline of this, the Bible assumes is a part of everyone's life that is a follower of him. And quite simply, I wanna say it this way, believers, believers pray and fast. It's just a part of what we should do. Believers pray and fast. And let me add to that, that there are significant blessings for those who have fasted and prayed in the Bible. As we go throughout scripture, if you look throughout scripture, you will see significant blessings from those who have prayed and fasted. And I'm gonna give you a bunch of examples right now. And I'm gonna kind of start in the Old Testament and work my way up. Deuteronomy 9, we see Moses fasted and that held back God's judgment. He prayed and fasted. Actually, many times, not just in Deuteronomy 9. That's just one that I chose. In 1 Samuel, uh, gave Hannah 
an answer to prayer, which was the birth of Samuel after prayer and fasting. Unexpected victories in battle for Israel in Judges chapter 20 and 2 Chronicles 20 uh, provided God's protection uh, for Ezra as, as they traveled. Uh, he gave plans and provision for Nehemiah to repair the wall in Jerusalem through prayer and fasting. Rescued the nation because of Esther and her people praying and fasting. Made it possible to receive revelation from the Lord for Daniel in Daniel chapter 10. Uh, brought a nation back to God in Joel 2.12. The city of Nineveh would have been completely destroyed in Jonah chapter 3 had it not been for prayer and fasting. The early church, as I mentioned, they fasted two days a week on Wednesdays and Fridays, and they turned the world upside down, as we know. Um, and then, of course, we see Jesus uh, praying and fasting for 40 days, and he was God. And his miracles, if you look at it chronologically, actually began after that, which is interesting, isn't it? It also aided in decision-making in Acts 13 and 14. The church said, before we're going to make any really big decision, we're going to pray and fast. And they did that. And there are many, many other examples. Those are just 12 or so that, I, that we picked out here. And so in light of all of this, back to the question of why fast, I think the real question is, why don't I fast more? Why don't we pray and fast more often? Right? Because it's an upgrade to our prayer life. You know? We've got Disney Plus, we've got Apple TV Plus, we've got Paramount Plus. No, we're not starting Connect Church Plus, though everybody else has done that. Um, ESPN Plus, this is Prayer Plus. That's exactly what this is. This is an upgrade to our prayer life. So why is fasting and praying important? So we know why, but why is it important? Well, it will help grow your spiritual life. It'll help grow your spiritual life in ways that nothing else can. And we don't fast. Let me tell you one of the main reasons that we, don't, that we don't talk about fasting and that we don't pray and fast as the church, the big C church, like all of us enough. Let me tell you why. Because we're not desperate enough for God. We're not desperate enough and we don't value prayer enough. And that may be hard to hear, but it's true. We think we have it all together. We think we got everything that we need. And especially in the country in which we live, we are blinded by that idea. But Jesus commanded it, and Jesus taught on it, and Jesus practiced it. And so if we are supposed to imitate the ways in which Jesus lived to the best of our ability, then this is one that should be incorporated into our life much more often if we really want to see a movement of God in our life and in our church. Certain areas of your life will come into focus that, that won't any other way. The Lord will show you areas to target during your time of fasting and prayer, things that maybe you weren't even planning on praying about. I hope that in this last week, as you've maybe been praying about the prayer focus that I've given to us as a church, I hope that during that time, God has actually shown you other things that you were like, wow, didn't even expect this one to come up. But during your time of, of in, you know, intentional, focused prayer, that God has shown you some things there. So let me ask this question then. Should we pray and fast so that we get what we want from God? 
Should we pray and fast so that we get what we want from God? I want God's blessing. So let's pray and fast. Okay, that's not necessarily wrong in that aspect of it, but this is not a way to manipulate or persuade God. That's not what this is. This isn't a way to manipulate or persuade the will of God, but I will say this, it can help influence And I can say that because we've seen that in scripture. The examples that I gave you, there are plenty of examples in there of people of God that were followers of God that helped to influence, if you will, the will of God through this. See, manipulation, that's getting my way at your expense. That's what manipulation is. That's not what this is. Persuasion, that is me causing you to believe something. That's what persuasion is. But influence, that's different. Influence is the capacity to have an effect on. That's what influence is. That's why it's actually the best definition of leadership. True leadership is influence. It's the capacity to have an effect on your heart and mind. They will slow and become more aligned with that of the Father. Let me put it another way. Fasting and prayer shows God that you're serious. It shows him that you're serious. And when you fast and you pray, you may want to ask God, please do in me what you need to do and do for me what you want to do. And you watch how your heart aligns with his heart and how his wants become your wants. How the desires of his heart become the desires of your heart. And maybe the things that you really thought you wanted shift a little bit because you're aligning your heart with God and because you're showing him that you're serious. So to do without, so that our focus can be directed more intentionally on relying on God, if we concern ourselves with the things that God is already going to handle, how much faith do we really have? So as we've seen in the Bible, and history is full of examples of the power of prayer and fasting, and so those things have turned the tide and make, made the difference. And so let's, let's get practical here for, for a quick second. How should I fast? Because I understand the fact that like there are probably a lot of us here and watching online that you've never really done fasting other than like intermittent fasting for health reasons or something like that. But this idea of actually like prayer and fasting as a spiritual discipline is maybe something you haven't done. You're like, well, I had to go to the doctor and so I I had to fast the night before. That's not what this is. (laughs) Intermittent fasting, yeah, it's all the rage now. I get it. Um, And so let's add prayer to that. Let's add prayer to that and let's make it more valuable than you can possibly imagine. It's funny that intermittent fasting is like, you know, all the rage now. It's the new thing that's healthy for you, but God came up with it like 5,000 years ago. Um, (laughs) But... But in the Bible, there are, uh, there are a couple types of fasts, right? You've got individual fasts, and then you've got corporate fasts. Uh, corporate fast involves the whole church or, say, an entire nation. Uh, in Jonah 3 and Esther 4, 2 Chronicles 20. Um, but there are several types of fasting. Several types of fasting, and the one that you choose is between you and God, and he will honor uh, your best sacrifice. And that's an important word in here your best sacrifice. If it's not a sacrifice to you, like don't be like, well, I'm gonna fast from like 11 at night till about six in the morning. Okay, me too. (laughs) But that's not, 
that's not your best sacrifice for the Lord, right? So <laughs> if you're just starting out, I would recommend one of these three. One of these three types of fasting, right? So we've got the full fast, the Daniel fast, and a partial fast. And let me, excuse me, let me break these down for you a little bit. So full fast, drink only liquids, and you establish the number of days, but I would start with one if you've not done this before. Uh, the Daniel fast is really this. Eat no meat, no sweets, no bread. Drink water and juice and eat only fruits and vegetables like, guess who, Daniel did in the book of Daniel. Um, and then there's the partial fast. Uh, in a partial fast, generally we would call it from say like 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. from sunup to sundown, something like that would be kind of the traditional way there. But, but maybe a partial fast could even look for you like this. Like it's, maybe it's skipping one meal uh, if, if you're, you know, depending on health issues or whatever that is, maybe it's skipping one meal and instead of maybe taking your lunch break, maybe you take a prayer break during that time. Something like that maybe is, is a thing to do. And, and maybe some things in between there, but let me put it this way. Elmer Towns, got to meet him and he said this. Elmer Towns was the, uh, um, was the dean of liberty for a long, long time. And uh, he said this, if God hasn't spoken, don't make rules. If God hasn't spoken, don't make rules. So, so don't. Don't put, don't put things out there and, and make all these kinds of crazy things for yourself that, that really aren't there. God doesn't measure what goes into your mouth. He measures what comes out of your heart. And that is an important key. He doesn't measure what goes into your mouth. He measures what comes out of your heart. So I would start with a one-day fast. Consider maybe fasting one 24-hour day Maybe I would, I would say, uh, I would actually recommend this. Maybe would you consider doing that one day this week and one day next week, if you've never done it before, since we've got two weeks left on our 21 days, and dedicate that time to intense times of prayer. Not necessarily all day, because we've got responsibilities and such, but, um, but that is a model that was practiced by the disciples. Um, and so... That's one way, but I would also stress this, and I'm gonna to get to this here in a second a little bit more, but to write down what you're asking God to do, to be specific, and to write down the time to begin and the time to end. If you know anything about goal setting, if you write it down, you're more apt to do it. So I would encourage you to write it down, what, that is, what that's gonna look like, but this is important. Prepare your heart, your mind, and your body. If you have a medical condition, just, you, you really need to be careful here. Um, if you're pregnant, you're a nursing mom, I recommend that you don't do this. If you have some issues going on medically right now, listen, it's, it's okay to maybe not do the fasting part because like I said, God cares a whole lot more about what comes out of your heart than he does about what goes into your mouth. So maybe there's another way in which you can incorporate some version of this into your, into your life that, that can make a difference because God cares so much more about your heart than he does about that. Um, but uh, I would also say this, to clarify your purpose. Clarify your purpose. Fasting should be specific. Every example that we look at in scripture is specific. A very specific reason with a specific plan. And I'm gonna give us a prayer focus. I'm gonna give us a specific prayer focus and I'm gonna give us specific fasting purpose here in a minute 
But during your time of fasting, what you're doing is you're taking the focus off of your stomach and transferring it to, to focusing on prayer. When you feel those hunger pains is when you then should transfer that to a, to a heart and a posture of prayer. And so I'd recommend carving out a specific time of day even that you're gonna pray um, and that you can find a place to be alone and dedicate to prayer. Maybe it's during mealtime because you won't be busy, right? So whenever it is, what's important to remember is that fasting is a private practice. Please hear this and see this. That's why I made it the most huge and annoying slide because I want everybody to get this. Fasting is a private practice. While we are doing this together, meaning at the same time, this is between you and God. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 18, said then no one will notice that you are fasting, see that? Except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything which that's a scary phrase, will reward you. I'm not gonna dictate when and how we are all going to fast together. I don't feel led to do that. I don't believe God is, is pushing me to say, no, Tuesday and, and Thursday this week or something along those lines. Um, but this is not something to brag about. This is something for you and God to determine together. In fact, I would actually go as far as to say this. Don't start it today. Because if we need to prepare our hearts and our minds for this, today should maybe be used as then this afternoon as some time of preparation and prayer about what this actually looks like between you and God. Don't just be like, well, I'm not eating for the rest of the day. Like, let's take some time to actually consult God and prepare yourselves and make sure that this remains a private practice between you and the Lord or maybe even you and your spouse because there's some scheduling things that you might need to figure out. Like Val might wanna know that I'm not eating tomorrow or whatever, or whatever day that might be. So, um, so let's definitely clarify that. Um, but it's not something to publicize as well. I don't wanna see this on anybody's social media, right? That, hey, today's my day. That's, that's not what we're doing. God will not honor that according to scripture. It's a private, intimate time with him. And so let's clarify the purpose on our fasting and praying this week. So let's do that right now. Let's clarify what it is that we're praying about. Our week one prayer focus was about praying for each other. It was about having a heart for the house, about praying for each other, about praying for us to be a, 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 a church that is a place of, of love and acceptance and also to pray for over the resources and finances of the church and all of those things that we have to be able to, to be um, you know, the church as we go out. And, and this week, we're gonna take that to another level and we're gonna say, let's pray to fill the house. Pray to fill the house. And so here it is. If you've got the, uh, the handout, um, or the, uh, the daily guide that we handed out last week or you downloaded it uh, on the website. I have more this week because I know we ran out real quick. Um, here's what it says. We believe that we will see our house filled to capacity by Easter. For this to be a reality, we must be a people of prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of men, women, and children so that they might have new life in Christ. We believe this for our neighbors, coworkers, families, and friends. Pray for opportunities to invite people and for the opportunity to disciple someone this new year. We believe that a move of God only happens through the power of prayer from his children 
who have hearts postured in humility and repentance. Together, let's trust that God will fill the house. So again, why pray and fast? Let me put it to you this way. Let me, let me word it this way. We want to see a movement of God in our community through this local church. Amen? We want to see a movement of God in our community through this local church. So we will pray and fast to that end. That our burning spiritual desire to see our house full of people who need to know, love, and follow Jesus. And it's not something that we can do on our own merit. Listen, we can advertise and we can market on Facebook and, and all of those kinds of things up until Easter, and we will, and all of that stuff. But you know what? If God's not in it, then it doesn't matter because it's not fulfilling his mission. It might be packed in here on Easter, and it probably will. We always see a bump, and that is a thing that will always exist. But let me ask you this. What about the next week? What about the week after that? What about a month later? Has that ever bothered you? It's bothered me. What about in our community? Listen, we will probably have a great service on Easter. In fact, we will have a great service on Easter. We work hard to that end. We work hard to have a great service every single week, and we've had an, a great one so far. The worship this morning was incredible, right? Our team is unreal, and we are so blessed with them. But here's the deal, guys, and I want you to hear this, and this might be a little bit like, what, when I say it? But I mean it. If the win for Connect Church, if the win for Connect Church is a great service that pleases the audience every Sunday, then we're in the entertainment business, not our father's business. And that's the truth. Is a great service a bad thing? No, of course it's not a bad thing. Of course it's not a bad thing. We want that to happen and we work hard each week so that that does happen. But you know what guys, it's a means to an end. Life change through the power of Jesus, more fully devoted followers of Jesus connecting people to Christ, community, and purpose. That's the reason. Does having a great service help us to meet that goal? Yes, absolutely it does. But if we are not depending on him, if we are not in full surrender and complete reliance on Jesus, then any growth that happens will be superficial and will fizzle out. And that's the truth. And so the connection point for the day is that when you fast, you take another step towards depending on him. You take another step towards depending on him because dependence on Jesus is why Connect Church exists to begin with. If we weren't depending on Jesus, we wouldn't be here right now because this wouldn't have happened. And that's the truth. And so we need to continue to depend on him. We can't just be content and rest on our laurels and go, oh, well, now we've arrived. If that's gonna be our perspective on it because the building's done and blah, 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 guess what? It's gonna fizzle out, y'all. We need to be fully depending on him and we need to be take, continually taking steps toward depending on him. And we can't forget that. 
We need to be fully depending on him, not our resources, not our abilities, but on Jesus. Fasting is by no means commanded in scripture. Jesus doesn't command us to do it, but he does assume that we are. And it's hardly popular in a world that puffs up self-satisfaction as being the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal in our world right now is for me to be satisfied in what I'm doing. But engaging in the discipline of fasting as a group, as a family, because that's what we are, guys. We're a family. Creating a common experience and simply staying on track with each other, that becomes so much easier when, we're, when we know that we're all doing it together. That we're all a part of this together. But if we're really serious about wanting to see a movement of God in our community through this local church, then this is something that we should embrace. And this is something that we should use to maximize the Lord's power and growing our spiritual life individually so that he can do something incredible with all of us collectively. Will you bow your heads with me? We want to see people healed. We want to see a community renewed. We want to see freedom from addiction in people's lives. We want to see young families strengthened. We want to see people's lives being changed by being connected to Jesus, by being connected to each other and to the purpose that we have through him. And we know that Jesus wants to use us as the local church. His chosen vehicle is the local church. He wants to use us to make those things happen. And so we unite in common purpose as we focus on him and his will as we make the things that are important to God important to us. Father, we do want to pray right now together that you will fill the house. We pray, Lord, that you will bring people that need to hear the truth of your word, that need the hope that we have as your followers. Lord, there is a broken world that we live in that need you and you want to use us to reach them. You have planted us here for a reason. And God, I pray, I beg you to use us. And Lord, we want to show you how serious we are about that by fasting as a group this week and next. May not all be the same day, may not all be the same time, may not all be the same whatevers, but Lord, we want you to hear our heart and we want to demonstrate that through the spiritual practice of fasting and prayer. And so God, I pray that we would see people come to this place, but not just to this place, Lord, to, for us to encounter because the church is, isn't, a, isn't a place that we get together, Lord, it's us. And so I pray that we can be the church and we can see the streets of heaven filled through what you've done through your people as we go out into the community. And yeah, we wanna see people be brought in here as well, of course. But Father, we wanna see the kingdom grow through your local church here in the community in which we're planted. So Father, I pray that you would use us. I pray that you would inspire us 
and you would show us even what, what else needs to be done so that we can be more effective in that way. Jesus, I pray that if there's one here watching online that doesn't know you, maybe they're, they're searching for acceptance and belonging and identity as a lot of people are right now. God, that they would find those things in a church family, in a church home, in a place where people love them as they are. Lord, that if there's someone that isn't sure that they're gonna be with you in heaven one day, that today they may make that decision or at least start getting some questions answered. Pray that they would seek out somebody in a, in a yellow lanyard for even just questions and prayer. Help us, Lord, as a, as a church to continue to pray for each other as we lean in this week to this prayer focus of asking you to fill the house, God, I pray that it wouldn't be a superficial filling of the house, but it would be a filling brought by you, by your Holy Spirit, drawing people that need you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name.